Blog Talk Radio.
everyone, and welcome. Thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in. This is T. Love, your host here at Energy Awareness Radio. I am a certified reconnective healing practitioner, sound therapist, and positive psychology practitioner with a private practice in Sussex County, New Jersey, where we are streaming to you live as we do every Wednesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. Now, our chat room is open, so feel free to join the discussion that's already happening online. We do keep an eye on the chat room. So if you have a question, go ahead and post it, and we'll do our best to get your question on air. As an alternative, for those of you who are on the go and you simply cannot continue listening online, please feel free to call us directly by dialing 347-202-0227. And that way you can listen via phone, or if you are driving about, please use your Bluetooth. Tonight we're asking the question, what makes you happy? And think about that for a moment or two. You know, what floats your boat? What brings you great joy? What is it that puts a huge smile on your face and in your heart? Now, some people are probably thinking, well, my job, the money I make, the home I live in, the time I spend on my sailboat, and those are all great answers, but are they fulfilling? Are you deeply happy or are you maybe a little superficially happy with these material things but not feeling the full purpose of where you could be and what you could be doing? Tonight we're speaking with David Eddy about the film Finding Happiness. Like most of our discussions, what you think or believe is not necessarily what is. David began his musical studies at the age of six, and he made his public debut as a cellist with the Pittsburgh Symphony at 16. He attended the Eastman School of Music, where he received the Performer's Certificate, and he continued his studies at Indiana University with Jano Stalker and became the principal cellist of the Evansville Philharmonic and Owensboro Symphony Orchestras. And he was the founding cellist for the musical storytelling troupe Tales and Scales, where he developed his composing, arranging, improvising, and acting skills. Then in 1996, he moved to Portland and joined the internationally known band Pink Martini, which took him to stages throughout the U.S. and France, and performed with the Portland Opera Orchestra and the Oregon Symphony. He left the music world in 1999 to become a teacher at the Living Wisdom School in Beaverton, Oregon, where he learned the education for life philosophy. And he moved to the Ananda Village in Nevada City, California, where he's been the music director for 16 years. David was the music director for the Ananda Village Living Living Wisdom School and has taught at the Ananda College as well. He is featured in the film that we're discussing tonight, Finding Happiness, as the tour guide for the visiting journalist, played by Elizabeth Rom. He also produced, composed, arranged, and recorded the soundtrack for Finding Happiness. He is the founder of the Voices of Light Virtual Choir and Attune Music Academy, teaching musicians how to align themselves with inspiration for optimal performance. Good evening, David. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking time to be here with us tonight. How are you being this evening? I'm very well. Thank you, T. It's a joy to be here. Yeah, it's just, you know, this is this first the movie, Finding Happiness. Let me go down this road first. It has been acknowledged and awarded by, well, let's see, there's a whole bunch of stuff. The Award of Excellence from the International Festival for Peace, Inspiration, and Equality, a finalist at the Moondance International Film Festival, award winner at the International Film Festival for Spirituality, Religion, and Visionary, and the official selection at the Festival International of Cinema and, is it Transcendence in Brazil? That's a whole lot of recognition, so congratulations on that. That's really great. (laughs) Thank you. 
You're welcome. Um, this movie, Finding Happiness, it's really very interesting from so many different aspects, lifestyle, spiritualism, community, education, uh, cooperation, cohesiveness. But the biggest thing seems to be the way in which we learn that it actually is possible for people to live harmoniously and truly find happiness in this world, which for so many is just totally evasive. It's just not an easy thing for people to do. So why don't we start with you telling us how this film came about. It came about from an idea by Swami Kriyananda. And Swami Kriyananda is, a, is uh, the gentleman who founded the Ananda communities. And he is a direct disciple of Paramahansa Yogananda, who came to the West in the 1920s and founded Self-Realization Fellowship. So this uh, idea that Yogananda had of communities of like-minded people coming together to live simply with high ideals was fully taken on by Swami Kriyananda, who formed uh, the Ananda community in 1968. And uh, by the time I came in 1996, it had already been going for 25 years and 25, 30 years and was well on its way to uh, the success that it has today. So I've been... uh, uh, and I, I just want to say that the the idea for this movie came from uh, just wanting to spread these ideas and to help people know it, just as you said, that happiness is possible. Communal living in a very uh, doable way can bring a great amount of satisfaction and happiness. Now, communal living, it's interesting that you said that because somebody did ask me, they said, so what, is this a commune from the 60s? And I said, no. (laughs) But a lot of people do think that that's probably what this is, and it's not a commune. It's it's not a commune, and I think I I didn't use that word as best as I could because commune means uh, typically shared property, and the Ananda village there in California is is not shared. Uh, in other words, we drive our own cars, we live on in houses that uh, we are stewards for, even though we don't necessarily own a plot of land that gets divided in by the fence lines or things like that. There's generally an individual stewardship that happens for a house and for the land, and uh, we come together as a community to basically do everything. So we grow our own food uh, as much as we can. It's not going to f- feed everybody all the time, uh, but it does provide a lot of that. We uh, do our own construction, our own schools, our programs. We run our retreat center, the Expanding Light, and uh, just have a tremendous amount to offer in that regard. And they, these communities are, as you said, self-supporting and in every way. Schools, what about hospitals and, and um, legislative issues? Yes, we do have a village council that, uh, that has uh, voted members, and they come together to decide on uh, different areas. And we do have a, a medical clinic that was founded, in fact, by one of the members there at Ananda, which has um, had a great impact on the uh, community around because in uh, rural California, although I'm in Portland right now, these, this area where the Ananda community is in rural California is in great need of affordable medical care there. Mm. Yeah, well, you know what? The whole country is. I mean, you know, I yeah. mean really, with health care yeah. the way it is, you know, it's, it's yeah. icky for everyone. But there are more than, this is just one 
okay? But there are more in California. There are in Italy, in India. There are communities that was started by this, this person, this Swami Yogananda. It, it already it's starting to spread across the globe, correct? Yes, that is correct. Mm-hmm. In fact, I um, have moved up here to our community in Portland, Oregon, which is uh, very much unlike the Ananda village that's featured in the film. Uh, we are an urban community, so our apartment complex is right smack dab in the middle of right, kind of between the city proper and a suburb, and our school is right in the middle of a uh, busy suburban area. Now, okay, so you're in the middle of a suburban area, busy suburban area. Uh, is it, it must be kind of difficult to do that because I'm quite sure people probably think, what is going on? What is that? You must get some flack or something from from outsiders thinking what's going on. Why? Are, because people don't generally, you know, aren't real accepting of things they don't understand. And I'm oftentimes telling people, don't dismiss something just because you don't understand it. You know, you right. may be missing out on something wonderful. And yet sometimes people just say, oh, if it's too different, then I want nothing to do with it. And they might even think of it as being somewhat cultish. Has, have you had to deal with any of that? You know, I really haven't for a really long time. When we first uh, joined the Ananda community in 1996, that was you know, uh, some of our family's reactions to it. But they see that we're happy. They see that it, in fact, works. And my dad recently said, wow, if more people on this earth would live like the people there at Ananda, the world would be such a much better place. So it's true that that different things scare us. And uh, what we try to do is present ourselves as uh, openly as possible, as transparently as possible, so that people can see what's going on. It's really pretty simple. (laughs) We come together, uh, we, we serve together, we meditate together, and we're there as a support system. And it's, it's like living with a hundred of your best supportive friends. And even though these people, when you first move in, you might not know them very well, but you come to recognize that we're all striving for the same thing. We're all striving for that deeper happiness, and we're here to support that. And, you know, and that sounds wonderful from so many different perspectives, and yet I know that there would be people saying, I don't know, they're just on drugs, nobody can be that happy all the time. And yet, when you watch this movie, you can see that, no, these people are genuinely living in harmony within themselves, which when you're in harmony within yourself, you don't really, you know, it's really hard to dislike your neighbor. You know, you're not going to declare war on them because you're happy where you are and you're minding your own energy field and your own beingness and and doing what you need to do. And if your father's right, if everybody lived that way, it would be a better world. But unfortunately, everybody doesn't live that way. How do people come to join the community? Is there a process, like an approval process? Is it, you know, uh, I'm familiar with, I don't belong to a country club, but I, there are some near, you know, they're all over the place. And people do have to go through a process to be a member or live in a specific area to be a member. How does one come to join? Yeah, there are many, many different levels. And it's a conversation all the way, a very two-way conversation. If a person feels very inspired to just drop everything and, uh, and move to the Ananda village where uh, that would be one way to go. But even there, there is a a period of, of just um, allowing the person to percolate with the teachings and deepening their understanding of what this is all about and not just like, I want to run away from the world and here's a place and just let me in. So uh, there are opportunities to uh, do um, – 
what's called a, a karma yoga, or it's like interning. Basically, you go and you uh, spend time at our retreat center and you can help out. And it's a great way to experience what Ananda has to offer in a way that um, we're just trying it out here. We'll, we're seeing how it goes. And if you want to go deeper, then there are other courses and other uh, programs to dive deeper into. Uh, and here in the suburb, suburban communities, it's much easier. You just so we have Sunday services which are open to the public. Uh, the community has openings that um, are available for anyone, and the level of involvement really depends on how much you really feel the joy of serving. And it's it's really that that joy, that that genuine joy which infuses everything that we do. So it's not like, well, we expect you to do this or um, you're, mm. you're expected to, to rise to this level. It's just what, what do you feel inspired to do? And when, when service comes from genuine inspiration, then it's so much more powerful than, well, I'm a member, so I, I have to do this or this is my uh, obligation, so to speak. So. Well, whenever you live from your heart, Whenever you're coming yes. from your heart, yeah, you're in flow with what you're supposed to be doing and where you're, where you're supposed to be on the planet at this time because I, I firmly believe we come in and, and we have a job to do. And it's our, you know, if you're working it right, nah, that's not even the proper way to say that because there is no wrong. But if you're working it, you're in flow and you, you feel good and everything feels good about you and what you're doing and you don't have a whole lot of discord you know, and that's probably the type of people that are attracted to this. You did say that people could go there almost like for a retreat. Do people sometimes go there for a retreat just for the fact that it's, it's like a vacation retreat, just to see what's going on and really get in the groove? Yes, yes. Okay. they have a, a, um, a personal retreat program, which allows people to just come and take classes when they are. Or you can come for special yoga weekends or meditation weekends or spiritualize your marriage. They're, the Expanding Light has many, many different wonderful uh, workshops that are available. And all of the schools that are within there, within each community, so there's one in Portland, there's one in uh, the Ananda Village in uh, Nevada, correct? And there's a couple, Nevada. aren't there a couple more in California? Yes, uh, there is one down in Palo Alto as well, mm-hmm. and Seattle, Washington, and then mm-hmm. Assisi, Italy. And oh, is there one in India? I thought there was one in India too. There is a burgeoning one there. It's it's our newest uh, colony, so to speak. So uh, it hasn't uh, given birth to a school quite yet. Okay. So now these schools are obviously accredited because you're part of the United States. It's not like you're seceding from the union or anything, you know, (laughs) but they're accredited so that children growing up will have a full-fledged high school education and can go to college and you even have the Ananda College. Yes. Yes, we do. And the wonderful thing about this is that not only are they getting an excellent education, they're really experiencing who they are on their deepest level. So one of the greatest successes is that children come away with it from from this process knowing who they are on that deep level, something that I wish I would have known when I was 18. You know, I went off to yeah. college really like, well, uh, this is who I think I am or pretending to be or trying to live up to other people's expectations of what they think I ought to be. But it took a, about a decade for me to deepen into that experience of and find out who I truly was. 
Well, sure. At 18, when you go into college and picking your major and then you graduate and realize this isn't what I want to do, it was just what I picked because it was, seemed like a good idea at the time. How many people do you really know are actually doing what they went to college for? I'm going to guess it's less than 50% of the people are doing that. I know so many people that went to school for one thing and then became another, you know, and pretty relatively quickly on. And so when the children grow up, do they tend to stay or do they move on? Do they, do they all go to Ananda College or do they go out to other colleges? No, many, it's a really good question. In fact, um, not all the children at the Ananda Village choose to go to the high school there, which is um, the only high school that we have in the United States. A lot of them are ready to experience the world. They've they've been in this wonderful, cloistered, supportive environment, and they're ready to go out. They're ready to test their wings. They're ready to find out what's out there in the big wide world. And um, so a lot of them just take their own paths. And it's it's not our job to you know raise them Catholic, for instance, and expect them to take this on. The wonderful thing about the Ananda as a movement is that it's individually based. It's not dogmatic. It's not something that you're just born into. It's something that everybody decides for themselves. There are a few uh, young adults now who have uh, grown up in Ananda who are starting to raise their children there too. So it it, uh, goes all different ways. You know, and it's good too because a lot of people may be thinking, okay, well, this must must be uh, religious-based, and it's not. The integration of religion is is a very interesting aspect. It's not taught in Catholicism that Jesus is in line with anyone, yet at Ananda, he is. There is a a lineup, so to speak. Would you speak to that for a moment? Sure. So um, there is a, a lineage of gurus from India whose teachings we do follow, and these teachings are... Uh, what Yogananda said, he came to bring the second coming of Christ, to bring back that original Christianity, that essence of this inward religion of meditation and uh, inner communion with God. So it's spiritually as religious, not so much in the fact that um, because religion brings an essence of dogma, it, uh, a sense of this is how you must live, whereas spirituality is much, once again, much more individually based. So the the wonderful thing about having Jesus on the altar there, as you'll see in the movie, and that's one of the questions that I'm asked, is wonderful for me because I grew up as a Christian and I had always been searching for what does it mean to be a true Christian? And who are these, who in the world would drop their nets, so to speak, and follow him if he came again? And I found people here at Ananda who have dedicated their lives to doing that. And it's been so inspiring to live among them, to live among people who have dedicated their lives for the past 40 years for a search for God. Yeah, they're, st- they're staying there because I think. For part of that, for for me anyway, I was brought up Catholic, so that's definitely Christian. And it was very difficult to, I don't know, take the whole thing. It was like I'd rather do the cafeteria plan, and I believe this piece, but not so much that one, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And and it's very difficult. It was very difficult for me to call it my religion. And the funny part is that when you're about 13 years old, they tell you you go through confirmation, and then that's when you're dedicating yourself to God through this religion. I'm 13. What do I know? As far as I knew that. You know, that ceremony for me was just to get a new name, add, add another name on top of my, you know, my middle name. So I really didn't think of it the way that it was, it, it was taught to me, and, which is sad because, you know, perhaps it could have been good if it wasn't so 
um, man-made run <laughs> because really that's what it became, you know. And uh, so, yeah, I think a lot of people right now are looking for the spiritual side and not the religious side. So I found that interesting because, yeah, when I saw Jesus on the wall and I saw the other people around and he was in a lineage, I thought, now there's an interesting concept. Mm-hmm. That was pretty cool to see that. Yeah, I liked that a lot. The um, Go ahead. And if I, if I may add one more thing to that. The other thing about religion is that you are asked to believe something, whereas mm-hmm. <laughs> with these teachings, Yogananda stresses that it is your experience that matters. Take these principles, test them, see if they work for you. And when you do that, then it's like, yes, these work. I understand. I get it. You're, you have such a deeper attunement and investment in the whole idea. Absolutely. And you, you're more committed to that because you're given free will and you're not mm-hmm. being told this is what you have to believe or you're not one exactly. of us. Exactly. Exactly. You know, everybody wants to belong to something. And yet if it doesn't fit, if it doesn't resonate, if you can't feel into it, because really everything is about feeling. I mean, everything is just about how do you feel? How does it make you feel? And how is that going to make other people feel? And that's kind of how we're connected. We're all connected through energy and, and our feelings and our auras and everything like that. So you might as well do good with it and be comfortable with who you are and where you are so you can get through your life in a, in a nice way and have a good time while you're here because, you know, we're supposed to be here finding joy and giving joy, not be in pain all the time and wonder, oh, my gosh, what's going on? You know, I don't know what to do because your religion is dictating something to you. And I think that's happening with a lot of young people right now. That's probably why mm-hmm. some of the counts are down in religions where they can't get people to, to go to church or temple or whatever it is um, because they're just not, they're not buying into it. They're seeing too much horror in the world and saying, you know, so many wars are based on religion or politics. So mm-hmm. We don't, what's up with that? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the interesting part of the whole thing is when you watch this movie, is you actually, we're actually seeing it's a, it's, a, mm, it's a true story, but it's got a fictitious part to it where there's a reporter that goes in to check out Ananda and do a story on, 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 on it uh, for her magazine, which is also fictitious, called, I think it was Profiles Magazine. So that's the only fictitious part of the movie. Everything else is real. That is correct. Including the people who are talking and what they're stating. Exactly, yes. Yeah. So... Uh, it's kind of like a docudrama, and I play Juliet's guide. I pick her up at the airport, and I bring her around. Now, the interesting thing is that Elizabeth Rome, who plays uh, Juliet, she um, has scripted parts, but I had a wonderful chance to interview her, and, and spending time with her was a delight. And she explains how throughout the process of the movie, she starts off acting as a journalist who's a little skeptical about this at first, but then mm-hmm. by the time the movie ends, she is there herself and she's showing her a genuine response from that she has experienced from being there and from uh, meeting Swami Kriyananda. So the um, there is reality even within the fictitious character of Juliet. So. And the other so she got something thing, out of it too. Oh, she got a tremendous amount out of it. Yes. <laughs> and she and I have, have uh, been able to, to keep in touch, and it's been a wonderful uh, friendship developing. And the other thing that I want to say about feeling is that so oftentimes in, uh, in movies, 
you are manipulated. You, your feelings are manipulated. Like, for instance, my favorite one is in Castaway with Tom Hanks, where Wilson the volleyball falls off the raft, and, and Tom Hanks dives on, and he realizes that he can either go for the volleyball or let go of the raft, but he can't do both, and he's calling out, Wilson, Wilson, there's this beautiful music playing, and I'm, tears are streaming down my face, and I realize, hey, wait a minute, I'm crying over a volleyball. <laughs> So, so we can be so easily manipulated, but yet I tell you that there is a presence in this movie that can be felt, which I want everybody to know is completely real. I experienced it first when, uh, when I was brought on for the, the project and we met with uh, Elizabeth Rome and Swami Kriyananda and the, the director, Ted Nicolau, and afterwards we were uh, standing out in the courtyard and this energetic presence field i don't know what to call it it wasn't a voice it was just it was just this this presence as best as i can describe it uh made itself known to me and so i just kind of stepped back and soaked it in and and it was like it was saying hello i'm the star of the show <laughs> please allow me to work through you and so I took it as my responsibility in every scene and in every um, cue that I wrote and arranged for the film to make sure that that presence was conveyed as powerfully and as clearly as possible. So that when you, when you see it, when you see the film and you might be moved, whether to tears, whether to deep stillness, whether to a deep joy, please know that that is not just a trick being played on you but that this power does exist. You know, and it does do that. And I think that even though it was just a, what was it, a volleyball or a soccer ball or something that, that um, he yeah, had, Tom Hanks had, it yeah, yeah. still, there was meaning behind it because that was like his friend. That was the only thing it, he it had, was. you know? It was. So, you know, yeah, yeah the emotions can, can trigger us in so many different ways. So sometimes there's a symbolism there that we need to look at. But the movie does, you know, you're not all, everybody's not going to decide, okay, I'm going to go move to the, one of these communities and live there no, and no, drop no, everything yeah. I'm doing. That's not it at all. Yeah. It's, but it does, you can take pieces away from it and realize, like even for her, she's a fictitious character. However, she went in and she took away that meditation was good for you, which you can't say that enough to people, in, even though they don't get it until they do it. The interesting part was when people see the movie and they see first, her first meditation out, she went somewhere. It's like, okay, that usually doesn't happen. You know, people usually don't do that immediately. So don't expect that. But know that with practice and with time, they're trying to show you what you can have in your life, in some aspect or all aspects of your life, if you just incorporate a little bit of these ideas, even to the point where growing the, your own food, it's wonderful to grow your own food. Unfortunately, I live in New Jersey where the deer run rampant. I have a herd of, <laughs> oh. yeah, I have a herd of 30 and, you know, yes. and two babies this year, and they'll eat everything I plant unless you dig 20 feet down and put a fence down there. And, uh, you know, so you go to the farmer's markets, but you know what? It's still the same, the savoring, the joy that you get out of that. And you, this comes across in the movie very strongly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We have quite a few deer there as well as, as uh, yeah. perhaps the movie <laughs> captured as well. We are quite used to the eight-foot fences. I had to install them around our garden as well. Mm. But, but just, just the fact that it shows you different things that you can do, you know, and – 
And the kids are not like disconnected from the world. The people, you're not disconnected from the world at all because there are still, you know, telephones and, and iPhones and internet service and all of that. It's not that at all. So it's not like it's a disconnect. As a matter of fact, exactly. one, I would think that you would be almost, you live in service and you're very much connected to the world through that. Exactly. People that, that come there looking to run away don't last because it's just no. not that kind of a community. Yeah. I can see how that would be because it's not a place you run to to get away from. It's a place you go to to be in service, and you're in service with one another. But, you know, it, it, it also the, it bodes the question, does anyone ever argue or disagree? Because it can't always be harmonious and love and light and everything, or can it? Because we only see the movie. <laughs> That's very true. It's, there are many different dynamics, but what the movie does say and so beautifully is that there is this common understanding. There is this uh, common attunement with each other through meditation. It's amazing if two people have a disagreement and they meditate together. It's amazing the solutions that can be found. And is that how arguments are solved through meditation? For the most part? Uh, it, in a way, but um, it's, there's different ways of going about it and different uh, solutions can be found to different circumstances. And um, every, the one question that is vitally important to Ananda is what is trying to happen. And it's not that one person is trying to push their own agenda, but it's a group of people coming together to, to try to feel, okay, what is trying to happen here? What is the guidance that's being given? If if somebody uh, is feels very inspired to take on a project, then they're oftentimes given the freedom to run with it and see what they can make instead of thinking, well, I think you should do this and that being the directive. So um, arguments and, uh, you know, there aren't, I have to say, in all the time there, I've disagreements would be a much clearer and much more uh, correct way of, of seeing <laughs> the conflicts that arise. Of course, there are going to be different opinions. There are going to be differing thoughts around things. But uh, detachment is also a wonderful practice there. I've uh, seen how people in the highest leadership can be pushing forward, pushing forward, pushing forward, and then when it seems like it's not the right thing to do, they'll let it go completely and just say it's not the right time, it's not the right person, it's not the right project, and just be totally fine because they've been practicing detachment in their lives on the little things. So when it comes to the big things, it's so much easier. And that is a sign of a good leader because when you're heading anything, a project, a committee, uh, you know, whatever it is that you're heading up, presence of the ego is of the utmost importance to see when it is rearing its ugly head because ego can be good and to let go and know that, you know what, because I oftentimes will sit back when I'm presiding over anything and I'll say, okay, what's the bigger picture here and does it really matter? Does it really matter how we go about doing it? Why do you have to be right? You know, why does anything have, it, it, the process of fighting, arguing, disagreeing can really be a simple one if you just look at it that way. The problem is you have to find somebody who's willing to do that instead of just shouting at you, screaming at you and not really, it, they're just in their own self. They're not, they're thinking about them and what they want to accomplish and they're not looking at the bigger picture all the time. And, and if you can mediate that, which it sounds like there's a lot of mediation through meditation or through just the letting go of the ego, that works. 
it works even if you're not in this community. If you can just mediate and yeah. say, can you see the other person's perspective? You know, I mean, that's mm-hmm. what they teach you when exactly. you go to, to mediation school. Um, so, you know, it comes in really handy. So it's, it's very, very interesting to me, and it is strikingly obvious that here we have a group of not only like-minded people, but all of these people in the movie, okay, that, that have a major part, if you will, to play, are, it, it, this is amazing, and yet it's really not amazing, you know. It, many are highly intelligent people overseeing the process. They are well-educated and schooled on what it is they know. The person who was talking about the goats helping with fire prevention, and, I mean, I didn't know that, you know, if the tractors can't get to some place, they send the goats in, and they take care of the blackberries and the star thistle, which helps to prevent fires. And I thought, really? That is very cool. I did not know that. And these people know this. And it's almost, you want, it felt like it was inherent, like they just came in knowing this. It's not like they really had to go to school to learn it. They understand the land. There is a, they have a relationship with the land that's um, symbiotic. And Mm. and they understand when they're growing the vegetables. They understand when it comes to the animals. They understand all of that. And I looked at that and I thought, okay, well, see, this is no accident. (laughs) These people just didn't decide, you know, let's come together. They just happened to come together and form this group. You can tell there's like divine intervention happening here. Do you agree with that? That's really interesting. I never thought of it that way. Uh, It's it's wonderful to – here I thought I was going to be running away from the world, essentially, and just being – living in – Hicksville when I moved down to the the Ananda village. But yes, I found all these incredibly intelligent, very talented people all living there who uh, felt the same way that I did, that they were looking for something deeper in life. They had been down the road of success, of outward success, and it wasn't enough. They were willing to make the sacrifices to dig deeper and uh, find out what really makes them tick, what really can help them find happiness. And they do it in a way where it's not ego-based, it's not ego-driven, it's not patronizing to anyone. It's just these are the facts, this is the way it is, this is how we live, and they know their stuff and they know you know your stuff and the next person is their stuff and, and everybody. It's <laughs> yes. very cohesive. It really it's, is, but it's true. amazing. Because, you, I mean, it's, if somebody were building this community, they'd have to say, okay, we need to find a farmer, and now we need to find a doctor, and now we need to find – and they'd be interviewing people to come together. You know, when you put up these, um, you know, assisted living places, that's what you do. And you hire people based on who will fit in. This just happened. And I'm, I'm assuming it's – or presuming it's happening across the planet in these other communities as well. They're coming together that way where you're not actually having to find all of the people to do all of the stuff. It will just occur. And to me, when I see that in that way, it's a natural occurrence that's here um, on this planet because we need it, and it's for the better of the planet for these changing times. Yeah, there is a little bit of both. Granted, there is a little bit of okay, we this is the kind of kind of person we need. We need somebody with these skills, but it's not that we go out and look for a person with those skills. We're we're looking for the people who have the right attunement, the right spirit, and it's amazing who we attract. And it, yes, I I wholly agree. There have been miraculous and that's a key stories. Part. 
yeah, to say attract because you guys are manifesting it. You know, mm-hmm. that there's a difference between manifesting and bringing in the right because that's when it, it quite simply to me is everything's in the flow and where it should be. You know, people yes. get jobs sometimes and stay there two years and leave, and it was a good little jumping point, but it wasn't the right thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's probably happening often in, in the communities that you have in these integral positions that are so important to the community. Mm-hmm. That's very so true. This is what yeah. I got out of the film. I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I was just like, <laughs> I see this as a film that really can bring a lot of awareness to the world and how it can, it can be. I think it's, it's good that this film was made and is out at this time. Absolutely. And we're hoping that um, it will be like an evergreen and will continue well beyond this first year that it's been out. What is the population approximately of, of the people? And do you have a breakdown like adults, children, male, female? Yeah, there's. Um, I don't have those exact breakdowns right uh, here in front of me. Mm-hmm. It's about two at the Ananda Village. It's about 250 people and about uh, 50 children from uh, newborns to high school, and I would imagine that it's pretty even <laughs> male, female across the board. I've never mm. thought about that way. It's very interesting because if the kids are coming back and knowing that this is a place that they want to be, that's yeah. the lifestyle that they want, and they're seeing a peaceable place, a place that is better to, you know, years ago, probably maybe only 15 years ago, people were moving to Vermont because it's a great place to raise your kids. Nothing happens mm-hmm. in Vermont, you know, and now we hear about things that do happen in Vermont. I mean, everything happens everywhere. But the more you can integrate things where it's, you know, show them the, the peace side of it and show them the serenity side, they're going to be, they're not going to have the stress that's out there. And I'm sure that there are issues within the school system, but probably not the same huge issues in bullying that we see in the typical public school systems across the country. That's very true, yes. Mm-hmm. Where, where, the yeah. kid, where the children actually really enjoy school, yes. And one thing I wanted, to say about, uh, I wanted to say about the community is that it's not an easy life, however. The, so mm-hmm. the, the children who do come back to start another generation are, are doing so willingly because they know how much energy it takes to, uh, to live there. We're doing all our own uh, – yard work we're doing, all our own uh, construction and uh, maintenance and um, upkeep of the whole community. So it's it's very demanding uh, lifestyle as far as energetic output. It's not like, oh, I think I'll just hang out by the porch today and just watch everything go by. It's, it, it's it, uh, demanding on, on many levels like that. But it is highly fulfilling, incredibly fulfilling. Yeah, and that's when the you, difference. Yeah. That's the difference because Ananda promotes, promotes oneness with nature, which is vitally important. It's probably the one thing that anybody can do to de-stress. So, you know, I've oftentimes said to people, when I see people coming into my practice for, you know, you know energy therapy, the biggest thing is stress. And it's like stress causes 100% of the diseases. I don't care that they're saying it's 90. It's really 100. You know, it's not 90. It's everything. And when you're out in nature, I know that even if I'm outside working and I've done some real bull work on my property planting, you know, hedges that are 300 300 feet long and the stuff that I do putting in a labyrinth and stuff like that, it takes an awful lot of physical labor. It's bulwark to do it. But boy, at the end of the day, you get a good night's sleep and you feel good about yourself because you are out in nature all day and it does make you feel good inside. So you can rest from physical labor. You can't rest that well from emotional and mental distress. Hmm. 
it, it takes its toll. Yeah. So they're coming back. They're seeing that, yeah, it's a lot of work to put into it. You do an awful lot, but you get so much more in return. That's better for you. It makes sense that they'd like that. It just seems to me that that's probably, you know, especially where it is, it is strongly emphasized there that, that you're at one with nature. I kind of got that from the movie. There's a oneness mm-hmm. with nature. Yes. It's a, a beautiful place to be, and it's not the only place to be, of course, but whenever you can get into nature, your mind automatically starts slowing down. There's the difference between the beta state and the alpha state, where the beta state is thinking about all the stuff that you have to do and the craziness and everything and, and the stress producing, whereas the alpha state is that place where creativity can flourish and that just uh, well-being can establish itself. And when you're out in nature, your mind automatically gets to that alpha state. So it's very vitally important. Yeah, I think so too. And and I do uh we talk about that a lot too about, you know, going from beta to alpha to, to um theta to delta. And and in between because when I'm doing the sound therapy, we go through all those steps and some people actually do fall asleep, which isn't a bad thing. But mm. to to be able to de-stress like that. So although it's it's not an easy life, in many ways it can be a better life. Absolutely. Yes. And it's Go ahead. I was just going to say, and people don't necessarily live there and work there. Some people do live there and actually work outside of there. That's very true, yes. Uh, Nevada City is the uh, small town that's uh, about half an hour away, and other people have uh, telecommuting jobs or they work uh, there doing different jobs there in the village. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. It's. Um, I think the movie is really good, and it's very enlightening because – I think people would get a lot out of it and be able to incorporate many, many of the things that are in it in their own life, even if they're living in the middle of New York City with, you know, a balcony. You can still go to Central Park. You can still – there are things that you can do, and even if it's just bringing a little bit of um, something into your home and and doing things on your own and just grounding yourself through meditation and just – there's so much that was there, and and the movie does make it look like – in all honesty, in some parts, that the people are, you know, uh, walking around in, in um, yoga clothes and they're just sitting like she does. She goes out and she just <laughs> meditates all of a sudden. It's like that. You know it's not like that all the time. You can tell that's not what it is because when you get to the part with all of the stuff that needs to go on to sustain itself, yeah. I mean, there's a lot that needs to be done. Absolutely. It, it, I have to chuckle at that part of the movie when, you know, people are out doing yoga in the meadows and all that kind of stuff. It's just to kind of give the point, and that's the energy that you feel there, though. So even though people might not be doing that, they very well could, and, and it's certainly the vibration that lives there. You can tell that. You can tell that that's what's coming across. I think they did a great job with that. You know, uh, one of the things that was in the movie is simple living and high thinking produces the greatest happiness. Yeah. I remember hearing that and thinking, oh, that's a great line because simple living and high thinking, and it doesn't mean you have to be really smart and, you know, you're a, a rocket scientist. It just means you're, you're thinking in a way that is a, at a higher level to see the bigger picture, to not just think about yourself and to, to let the ego go. And they never really mention the ego or anything. You know, it doesn't really, they don't, I don't think they ever use the word ego. I'm not so sure that that came up in the movie. But um, I, just I at the very end. <laughs> yeah, just at the okay. very end. Yeah. 
where yeah. Swami Kriyananda is talking to Juliet and talking about how we have a whole nation of, of consciousness within ourselves and uh, our job is to try to align every part of our being, our thoughts, our emotions, our feelings in a positive upward moving direction and mm-hmm. to move from that, that constriction of the ego and the downward uh, consciousness to more of that upward, expansive place where happiness naturally lives. Yep. I think the, um, the, the, one of the things you said at the very end, Swami Kriyananda said, the community is positively, consciously creating an alternative to the forces that are tearing the world apart, the greed, the selfishness, the hatred and violence, but Ananda is about cooperation, happiness, and selfless service to others. And that really wrapped up the whole thing. They put that in a good place because it was right at the end. <laughs> I'm sure they did that on purpose. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, you wrote all the score for this, the, uh, everything in the movie, correct? I did. You and a lot, of the music, a lot of the music was composed actually by Swami Kriyananda. So he's a gifted composer as well, which has uh, been a life changer for me. As a oh, cellist. I thought it was you. Yeah, because, I mean, that's just, and what a beautiful instrument that you play. I love the cello. I think it's beautiful. I um, I know uh, a woman who was in the Boston Symphony Orchestra. She was a cellist, and, yeah, it was just so cool, you know. Um, and when I saw that, I thought, wow, and you've certainly done enough. I mean, you've been gifted since you were six years old, for goodness sake. So, you know. <laughs> You're here for a good reason. <laughs> <laughs> Doing the music was equally as thrilling because, once again, I felt that that presence in so many aspects. And here, I, you know, I, I'm just a cellist, and they asked me to do the music, and I'm like, oh, can I score a film? What does that mean? What do you do? And, and uh, then I went home and meditated on it, and the next day I get a Facebook email from an acquaintance that I had met who says, David, he's from England, I've got a friend here who is a film composer, and he told me about a month ago, and I'm sorry I've taken me so long to, to get this to you, but he would love to volunteer his services. So um, David mm-hmm. Shannon from England ended up uh, working on this with me, and it, we had a wonderful, wonderful collaboration. But one of those uh, places, one of those examples of attracting what you need in the moment, it was literally that day. And it's you when you get enough of these coincidences you start yeah, saying okay <laughs> okay there must be something else happening here there is synchronicity it's a beautiful thing i don't believe in yes. coincidences no it's thing yes. because sometimes people will say well it's not happening it's like well it will happen when it's time you know divine timing is everything we don't don't have a play in that necessarily but you know yeah. if once you let go and you start to see the flow more things flow to you and that's Yes, it's just a beautiful way to, to be. But the music is beautiful. You did a great job with that. So Thank you know, and and to say I'm just a cellist. Oh please, you know, <laughs> you're so much more than that. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, we are almost out of time. But before we say goodbye, would you tell us how we can learn, how we can view the movie? How can the listeners view the movie? Can they download it? Do they go to Amazon? Do they go to a specific site to purchase oh, the film? Oh yes. All kinds of things, all kinds of ways. Mm-hmm. FindingHappinessMovie.com and uh, finding us on Facebook and Amazon. And I don't think it's available through Netflix yet, uh, but it is uh, streaming through uh, many websites there. So if you just type in uh, Google Finding Happiness Movie, 
you'll get plenty of ways to watch it. Yeah, I got a uh, Facebook friend request from a woman in Ohio who happened to watch it just out of the blue. She watched it out of the blue and then reached out and said, thank you, thank you for feeding my soul. And that was just mm-hmm. incredibly touching. It does. It really does feed your soul because, you know, there are parts I went through and went, yeah, okay, they're all meditating, you know, it's not going to, you know. <laughs> but then the message, you have to look at the message. And the message was, it, there were so many things that were just blatantly obvious. It just struck me, the, the level of intelligence of the people coming in and how they all came together. And I thought, okay, the, you know, that's synchronicity. That just didn't just happen. You know, yeah. I mean, that's just really, yeah, nobody manipulated that. So, no, it was great having you on the show. Thank you for sharing your time with us tonight. Uh, it was a real pleasure, very enlightening. And everybody, go out and get the movie, Finding Happiness. Figure out how you want to stream it or purchase it. You may want to watch it over and over and over again. And you know, listeners, we need you to spread the word. We know you enjoy what you hear on Energy Awareness Radio, so please take the time to share it with your friends. You know, we live in a very challenging and constantly changing world, and that's why I have the guests that I have, to keep you apprised so you won't get lost in the dross of life. We need to stay aware so we can navigate more easily and live the life we are meant to live productively, healthfully, and purposefully. That's very important. This is where you find the tools to do just that. So send the link to this show to everybody you know and let them have the same opportunity that you had this evening so that they can learn and grow and make the world a better place for everyone. And on behalf of everyone here at Energy Awareness Radio, I'd like to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this evening. My name is T. Love, and I hope you'll be back next Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time for another great show here at Energy Awareness Radio. So go ahead and get out your calendar and make a note of it so that you can remember to tune in next week. For more information about me, please visit my website, quantumwellness.org. You will find an archive list of past shows, the lineup for upcoming shows, as well as information about other upcoming events I'll be hosting throughout the year, including my upcoming Crystal Singing Bowl concerts. If you're not in the area and you can't make a concert, you can order my CD, which is called Imagine, from my site as well. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, at NRG Aware Radio. That's at NRG Aware Radio. I am your host, T-Love, here at Energy Awareness Radio, intending you and yours a most wonderful week. Remember, living from your heart is quite easy. You need only give thanks to do so. Take care and stay well. I got a roof over my head. I got a When I remember how